If we're grading the team, the offense gets an F. The coaching gets an F. The defense gets an F. The special teams gets a D. Tough to beat the AFC's top seed and MVP quarterback with a performance like that. We're talking about it on the Brandon Contest Jets podcast right now. Contest. I am a contest. You better like me. I'm from Patchogue. Alrighty, nice job as always with the free music YouTube. You're listening to the Brandon Contest Jets podcast on SB Nation. Episode 23 of my first ever sports podcast where we keep it simple, we keep it short, never more than 20 minutes. If I have more to say, just put it in another podcast. How has this Baltimore Ravens team lost any games this season? That That's my takeaway after watching them against the Jets Thursday night. How did the Browns beat them? How did the Cleveland Browns beat the Baltimore Ravens? How did the Pittsburgh Steelers get them to overtime without Ben Roethlisberger? Watching this Ravens offense is like watching the Patriots offense, the undefeated team, where you just you didn't know how you could possibly keep up with them. Where if you make one mistake in the game, you knew you were finished. Where every time the quarterback throws a deep pass, you just you hold your breath if you're the defense because you're expecting to get beat for a touchdown. And then now for Baltimore, you add in this run game that Lamar Jackson and the Ravens have. It's incredible. Averaging more than 200 rushing yards per game. 200 yards, that's unheard of in the NFL. And they had 118 yards two weeks ago against Buffalo, was by far their lowest rushing total of the season. And that's more than the Jets' highest rushing total of the season, which just shows you the disparity between the two run games, between the two offensive lines. They more than doubled the Jets' run game Thursday night, and that's with Le'Veon Bell having the best game of his season, 87 yards on 21 attempts. And and, and let me just say this, I want to say this quickly about Le'Veon Bell also, because he, he was crushed by a lot of the media this past week. And I thought the I thought the bowling trip was blown out of proportion. I, it was completely blown out blown out of proportion. And I'm not even going to call it a, a, a bad optic because I'm tired of hearing every single person with an opinion on this story say, "Boy, it was it was really a bad optic." But can anybody find a, a different phrase, another way to phrase it? After this this week, I'm I'm tired of bad optic. I'm tired of white whale, and I'm tired of coal in your stocking. The amount of times I heard somebody talk about Brian Cashman chasing his white whale, and the amount of sports updates and highlights that featured coal in the Yankees stocking or coal in the Yankees fan stocking. We get it, coal, Santa stocking, Christmas gift. I, I just I don't I don't understand why. We all need to say the same exact thing and use the same headlines over and over and over again. Bad optic, white whale, coal in your stocking. Let's retire it for the rest of December. But back to Le'Veon Bell, because I've, I, I, seeing that he went bowling, I've bowled when I was sick. I've bowled with a fever. I've bowled with a cough. Bell was bowling. He was bowling. He was not bringing a ruckus to a club at 4 a.m. He was bowling. Have you ever gone bowling before? It's not that hard. Have you ever looked around and seen the other people that were bowling? They're not all in the best shape. There's old people, fat people, tired people, and yes, there's even sick people that are capable of rolling a 15-pound ball down the floor. And look, not to pat myself on the back, but this commentary is coming from somebody that has a better, higher game than Le'Veon Bell. The 251, very impressive, but I got a 277 in my name. So there's that. And there's a big difference between bowling and playing in an NFL game. There's a big difference between rolling a ball and then running with the ball while 300-pound linemen are literally trying to pound you into the dirt. So the Jets told him he could not play. The Jets told him he could not go to the hotel. The Jets told him he could not be around the team because they did not want to risk anybody else getting sick. All fine. But he went bowling. Also fine. And I hope Le'Veon Bell is back next year. I personally, I I do not want to pay him to play elsewhere. I think that's an awful allocation of funds. If the Jets need to pay him next year, then he should be a Jet. 
And I get that Adam Gase doesn't think you need a bell cow running back, but he has one. So use him. He's here. He's making money. He's talented. Figure it out. Figure out a way to make it work. And Bell looked decent Thursday night. Adam Gase had to feature him a little bit more without Bilal Powell, who is unavailable because he has the flu. And I'm guessing Powell probably learned from what happened with Bell and will not be caught at a bowling alley because it would be a bad optic. But with the Jets falling behind quick and it turning into a blowout in the second half, the Jets had to start throwing the ball more. So they couldn't really rely on the run game the entire game. And they had to throw the ball on a night that I thought Sam Darnold had one of his worst games of the year. Not the worst, but one of the worst. And the overall numbers the last two weeks, they're not, not terrible. Four touchdowns, two picks, not bad. Last week, he had two game-winning drives, which you love. This week, though, was the definition of why Sam Darnold is still a question mark as far as the Jets quarterback situation going forward. Here's Sam having arguably his best half of the season. In the first half, he looked great. He looked brilliant at times. He looks like he's putting the team on his back, especially late in the second quarter, and and demanding that the Jets down 21-7, demanding that they keep this game close. And then it all falls apart. You get the brutal interception inside the five, which I could only assume, and I could only hope that there was a miscommunication on, because otherwise, what, what is Sam Darnold doing at the end of the half there? Where was he throwing the ball? Awful throw. Awful decision, a chance to get the game into within one score at the half. Instead, it's 21-7, and you know the Ravens are getting the ball back to start the second half, game over. And if we dial it back a bit further, you go from the worst pass of the game from Sam Darnold to the worst coaching decision of the game from Adam Gase, where you have what was just a perfect, a surgical drive down the field, taking up seven minutes of time in the second quarter, keeping the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hands, which you need to do if you're going to win this game. The Jets are now inside the 10, less than two minutes to go in the half, and I loved, absolutely loved the decision to go forward on fourth and one. Because taking the points there, getting the game to 21-10, and first of all, attempting to rely on Sam Ficken as the kicker, who had a good game the week prior, but who already missed a kick now at this point. He's going to later miss an extra point in this game Thursday night. So the field goal there is no guarantee from Ficken, even as close as you are. But 21-10 is not going to beat the Ravens. 21-10 going into the half is not going to beat the Baltimore Ravens. You need to get this game closer if you're going to have a chance at beating a team that is significantly better than you. So the Jets go for it on fourth down, which I thought they needed to do. But Adam Gase dials up a play that has Sam Darnold rolling right and ignoring the entire left side of the field. And I know Darnold is good on the run, and it's something that the Jets have discussed. They've talked about incorporating more of it throughout the entire season. But on on fourth down, you do that on first down. You do it on second down. You don't do it on fourth down when you need your quarterback to see the entire field, when you need to take advantage of the entire end zone. So you get this perfect drive, this surgical drive down the field, and you follow it up with it. You end it on an awful play call. Seven minutes down the field, and that's what you dial up on fourth down. I mean, a major question mark from Adam Gase there in that situation. So you have the turnover on downs, and now at this point with a minute and a half to go in the half, you're just hoping that the Ravens don't drive right down the field and score again, make it 28-7 at halftime. You're hoping the Jets could keep it within two scores before you go into the half, and they actually do. They get a defensive stop. They get a three and out. One of the few of the night as we watched Lamar Jackson just torch the Jets for five scores, toy with them all night long, but they get a stop. The defense gets a stop. The Jets get the ball back, and now they move right down the field. They're in position to score again, and that's when the awful interception from Sam Darnold takes place and game over. And then we get uh, we get the exchange between Darnold and Gase on the sideline later on. 
late in the fourth quarter with a few minutes to go in the game, and and nobody knows exactly what was said. It, it certainly didn't look good. John Boy doesn't have it yet. I, I don't know if anybody is going to figure out what was said. Darnold obviously was not mic'd up and probably never will be again after the seeing ghosts comment from New England, but clearly there was frustration on the sideline with about four minutes to go in this game. Clearly they were not on the same page, and it just adds the inability from the New York Jets to go out and beat a better team. You're not going to beat a better team if the quarterback and head coach are not on the same page. It adds to the inability to defeat the Ravens. It adds to the inability to have faith in this head coach. And on a night when you can't stop Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, you can't afford to beat yourself. You can't afford to have those miscommunications. You can't afford to have those issues on the sideline. You can't afford to shoot yourself in the foot. And that's what the Jets did late in the second quarter. To beat a team that is, we'll say, light years better than you, you need to convert on that fourth and one. You need a touchdown. You need a a touchdown, not an interception when you're inside the five. Beating yourself turns a loss into a blowout. Bad teams beat themselves, and the Jets, they showed why they're still a bad team in this game. You get the touchdown from Robbie Anderson in the fourth quarter of this game, who I would still not pay. We talked about that last week, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it plenty uh, in the coming months. The block punt, which was almost like the football gods righting the wrong after the Jets punt, the possession earlier, the Jets punt hits the Ravens player, uh, hits the right shoulder, but was not called by the referee, so the Jets lose out on recovering that punt and getting the ball back. Uh, But you get the blocked punt, touchdown, that's where Sam Ficken misses the extra point. And then, of course, it's tough to expect the Jets to recover an onside kick on a day where few things went right with with the kicker, where Sam Ficken just had an awful game. But the coaching was bad, the defense was bad, the quarterback played the Jets out of this game because after a strong first half, as we said, he goes and he has the brutal interception, he loses the ball in a fumble in the second half, there were drops and bad routes, especially from Jeff Smith who stopped running down the sideline on a deep ball in the second quarter earlier in this game, but when the quarterback tried to put the team on his back, he fell on his face, and that was incredibly disappointing to see when you're hoping for and expecting maturity out of Sam Darnold and you're expecting him to become this franchise quarterback because when it when it was on him to keep the team in the game and avoid mistakes he was unable to do so the egregious play was again highlighted by Sam Darnold and right now when you're playing against a guy like Lamar Jackson who is the best in the game he's he's like watching a video game the the questions are fair with Lamar because it's tough to expect that he's going to be able to rush for over a thousand yards in a season five years from now especially when we see him get popped like he did from Neville Hewitt early on in this game, and he takes hits like that every single week. But Jackson, he's not a big dude. And you see how Cam Newton is banged up at the age of 30. We've seen Josh Allen in Buffalo miss time for taking hits like that. And while neither one of them are as good of a runner as Jackson is, they're both a hell of a lot bigger. So how is Lamar Jackson going to hold up? How is he going to adjust when he can't run as much in, in later on in his career? And and look, he, he does not struggle throwing the ball. Uh, he's an elite passer. But will he ever decide to slow down on running the ball for the sake of prolonging his career? Because if he doesn't, five, six, seven years from now, is he going to be healthy? You hope so, because he's so dynamic. He's so fun to watch. He's so electric and game-breaking. And as a football fan, I want to be able to watch this 16 games a year for the next decade. He, he set the quarterback rushing record in Week 15. He threw for five touchdowns for the third time this season. It it didn't look like he was playing against an NFL defense Thursday night. The best run defense in the league. He makes professionals look amateur. It's, It's frightening how talented Lamar Jackson is. And he's such an easy guy to root for. 
the way that he plays with a chip on his shoulder, the way it's it's a win-at-all-cost mentality, that's what you want your quarterback to do. The way that he shows up with the nobody-cares-just-work-harder t-shirt, wearing the white sleeves and gloves last week in Buffalo after a radio analyst claimed that it's hard to see the ball in his arms because of his dark skin. He's out to prove everybody wrong every single week. And if you're a Ravens fan, you gotta love that. And even now that everybody is buying into him as an elite player, even with all the MVP talk, and he's the leader in the MVP race. But that chip is already there. That chip is still there. That's not going away. Lamar Jackson is not about to forget the the criticisms that he's heard in the last year and a half of people considering him an athlete and not a quarterback. He's going to have this prove everybody wrong mentality for his entire career. And for somebody as talented as he is and as dedicated as he is and as hard of a worker as he is, that's a that's a tough pairing to beat from the opposition standpoint. And the Jets are going to need to figure out a way to do that in the years to come. And at 5 and 9, whether they finish 5 and 11 or 7 or 7 and 9, it's for the Jets in my mind, it's playoffs or bust for them next year. And I get that it puts Joe Douglas in a tough spot, but you know what? This is year 3 of this quarterback. It's going to be now or never next year. You can't wait until he's being paid. And expect to build a playoff, or or dare I even say expect to build a Super Bowl winning team then. It's hard to win with a high-priced quarterback. We see that throughout the league. The Patriots are not in the Super Bowl every year because Tom Brady carries them there. They're, They're in the Super Bowl every year because he doesn't make a lot of money. And if Brady demanded the money that, say, Drew Brees does in New Orleans, do you think the Pats would have six Super Bowls and nine Super Bowl appearances? I'm not sure that they make one after 2012. But he gets paid as a middle-of-the-road quarterback, and the Patriots, in return, they give him a team that can dominate every single year. And if he's paid as the top quarterback in the league, then the Patriots would give him an average team to work with. And then they would just be an average team with a 42-year-old quarterback. But it's it's tough to win once you pay your quarterback. The Ravens won before they paid Flacco. The Packers won before they paid Aaron Rodgers. The Eagles won before they paid Wentz. The Seahawks won before they paid Russell Wilson. So the Jets are running out of time to develop a young quarterback and to win with a young quarterback before he's getting paid. The clock is ticking. It's also ticking on the season. The the NFL season goes too fast. And now that we hit the holidays, it's just going to kind of slingshot us right to the end. But we still have a couple weeks left to show progress for the Jets. And we're we're not going to walk away from this season with a playoff game. We're not going to walk away from this season feeling good about the head coach. But we need to walk away from this season feeling good about the quarterback. And games like Thursday night, minutes like the end of the second quarter, make that incredibly difficult to anticipate. Thanks for listening to the Brandon Condes Jets podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes. And as always, be good.